My name is Gary. I'd like to welcome you all out, let you know we're glad that you are here today. We're in the middle of a series called Storyteller, and we're looking at the parables of Jesus. And we're talking about what they mean, how they apply. We're actually taking the whole year here as a church to really focus in on Jesus. We figure if we're supposed to be following Him, we need to pay close attention to what's going on and what He had to say. And so that's what we're spending the year doing um, this year. And today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 14. Uh, we're looking at verses 25 through 35. And if you've been here at Greater Alton any length of time at all, you're fairly familiar with this, this passage of Scripture. It's where Jesus is telling people what's required that want to follow him. And if you want to open your Bibles there, or if you just listen along, whatever works, uh, we can do that. I'm in Luke 14, I begin verse 25. It says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. All righty, guys. That's a familiar passage with most of us. As we've talked about before, whenever there's something you're familiar with in the Bible, it, it's a really good idea to stop and look at it a little closer. Because once you're familiar with it, you kind of buzz through it, and there may be something you've missed. And guys, so we encourage you to do that today as we look at this. And uh, guys, you look at this and you may ask yourselves, especially if you're unfamiliar with it, you may say, what's he talking about? What's Jesus talking about? And I was in with the teacher service this morning, and I asked the question. I said, I said uh, what do you, how do you normally refer to this passage? And normally in our, in our, it's referred to as this is the counting the cost passage. This is where a person's counting the cost on whether they really want to follow Jesus or not. And uh, Nathan Gill raised his hand. He says, this is the hate your mom and dad passage. And you might look at that, guys, and say, what's that all about? You know, I thought Jesus says the most important thing was to love God and to love other people. Why is he talking about hating? Is he contradicting himself? No, I don't, he's not contradicting himself. He is using something that is called hyperbole. Hyperbole is just simply an exaggeration to make a point. And there's another, it's a parallel passage on this in Matthew chapter 10 in verses 37 and 38. And this is what he says. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And what is he saying? He's saying, you need, if you're going to follow me, you need to love me more than you love anybody else in the world. And there needs to be a contrast between the way you love me and the influence I have in your life and the way you love these people who are closest to you and the influence that they have in your life. And he's, he's, he's using, he exaggerates to make that point by using the word hate. Okay, Jesus isn't contradicting himself. He's not promoting hatred. But he is very clearly saying that there needs to be a stark difference, a drastic difference between your love for him and your love for those closest in your life. You see, I don't know if you noticed or not, but he chose specific groups of people. Father, mother. Now the teenagers have no problem embracing this passage literally. Right? I hate drama dad. Okay, I've got that one down. They pick mother and father, wife and children. Yes, you're even your own life. Why does he pick those groups of people? Because those are the people who hold the most influence in our lives. Those are the people who are closest to us and have the most opportunity to influence us. And what he's saying is, guys, you've got to love me. My influence in your life has got to be greater than those closest to you. It's a very simple, simple situation. You see, guys, it's about influence. As I don't know about you, but you know, I just talked about breaking the rules, and uh, religion in general tends towards rules, doesn't it? I mean, we like to make rules. In the, in the book of Colossians, uh, I believe it's in chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul tells us, he goes, that, that they don't do much good. You know, they, they give you the appearance of godliness, but they have little value in restraining our, our sinful desires. But we tend to go in that direction, you know. And Greater Alton's no different. Okay, we as a people, we tend towards it. I believe we're, we're getting away from that. But especially our past, our heritage, if you will, we made rules. And guys, Jesus is saying it's not about, following him is not about following rules. Uh, if you look at Jesus' life, he was a religious rule breaker. Did you know that? There were religious rules of the day that Jesus broke. On a repeated basis. I mean, he went after him again and again and again. The religious people of the day, they said, this is how you follow God. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And they had certain rules about how much you could do on Saturday. And how much you couldn't do. And when Jesus heals a person on the Sabbath, they try to, you broke, the, you broke our rule. They had rules about, about cleanliness. Uh, you know, specifically about washing your hands before they eat was one of them. And they called his, hey, your disciples broke the rule. Why don't you do it? He, they had rules about who you come in contact with. In fact, if you come in contact with another sinner, you're to clean yourself physically. Jesus went to parties with sinners. He went, he allowed sinful people to touch him. And the religious people were constantly going, Jesus, you're breaking our rules. And Jesus told them, it's not about following the rules. It's about loving God. It's about following Jesus. That's what it's about. 
And you see, guys, rules tend to give you a false sense of security. I was kidding you. I didn't pay attention to Seth when he was out here doing communion here. I did this morning when he was in the teacher service. But he broke the rules back there. You know what he did? He prayed first. Before he started talking, he prayed. And he sat down the whole time he talked. It wasn't a big deal, guys, but it's, it, it's different. I mean, we don't have a rule for that. Let me just be clear about this, okay? That's not, but he, he, he broke tradition. And that's really what, where rules come from. Things get done a certain way over time, and you just figure that's the way they're supposed to be done, and people start throwing flags when they're not done that way. Guys, Jesus isn't concerned about you following a set of rules. Jesus is concerned with you following him. Guys, that's what he is after. If you look in the passage, that's what he's talking about. He says what? You can't be my disciple unless you do these things. If you, anyone comes after me. He wants you to follow him, but he also wants you to know that following him is on his terms, not our terms. And you see, guys, we tend to want it easy. And we tend to want to do things the easy way. And so, guys, first thing off the bat is that Jesus is talking about the cost of what it is to follow him, the commitment that's involved, because, and that commitment is very simply that he will be the major influence in your life. You are going to love him, and he is going to give be the influence in your life. You see, if Jesus is the influence in your life, you don't need to worry about rules. Do you know that? I mean, it is just so nice. I was telling telling. Telling the other, the, other, the other group of people, teacher service, my daughter broke a rule yesterday. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but there's a rule when it comes to helping the homeless. What's the rule? Y'all know, don't you? Don't give them cash, right? Well, <laughs> that's why it's a rule, you know? <laughs> my daughter broke the rule. She gave him, she, that's all, she's, and what's, that's crazy guys, and I talked to her about that, I said, you know, you want to help, there's, there's nothing, I'm not condemning her for it, but I'm just saying, you know, hey look, go buy you a case of pork and beans and some forks, and, and you can give them, give them actual food, you know, it's made of soup, whatever, I've heard of people doing that, or they actually hand out some prepared foods, I've heard of Coral was telling the story about she goes through McDonald's and gives them a, buys, them a, buys them a lunch, buys them a happy meal, not a happy meal, but a, a value meal, extra value meal. And gives it to him. Guys, I wasn't concerned with my daughter breaking the rule. I was excited to hear that my daughter had a heart to help people in need. You see, that rule isn't isn't important. What's important is helping people, isn't it? And that's what she was displaying. She's saying, Jesus has influenced me and I want to follow him. I want to help people. The, the, the girl also supports a world vision child out of her own money, all by herself, each month, doesn't ask for money, complains when she doesn't have money or gas, but that's another story. Guys, that's not following a rule. We didn't sit down with our daughter and say, uh-uh, requirement to live in this family is to support a world vision child. Guys, she has a desire to have Jesus influence her life. And that's what Jesus is after here. That's what he is after. Forgive me, I told you that... I'm having a hard time following my notes. I told you I had a hard time organizing my thoughts into notes. Well, 
they're hard for me too. So, guys, that's the first thing we wanted to talk about in that, in that about this. It, it, what Jesus is talking about in his story is that there's a commitment level to following him. And that commitment level is that you're going to commit to him being the major influence in your life. Okay? The two other things, and they're very closely connected, that Jesus is talking about, is that before you decide you want to follow him, you need to understand and consider what that cost is. And that is how this passage is used most of the time, and we're going to talk about in a little bit how it doesn't just apply to that. But he's saying, if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, and I'm sure there are some of you in this room that have not made a decision to follow Jesus yet. That's okay. That exists. He's saying, if you haven't, if you have not made a commitment to follow Jesus, you need to understand what's involved in following Jesus before you make that commitment. He's saying that, and he uses the story about, you know, building, building a, building a tower or building a building. I don't know if anybody's ever built a house or undertaken a business, um, but there's such a thing called a budget, right? And if you're smart, you sit down and you make out your budget, so then that way you know when you're over budget, correct? But a lot of times you sit down and you say, hey, am I really going to have enough to to build the house that I want? Am I going to have enough to build the business the way it needs to be done? Because otherwise you're going to get halfway through the project and you're not going to have enough to finish it. And Jesus tells us, when it comes to following him, you need to be sure of your commitment. Because in another passage in Luke, he tells us, that it's a bad thing to start following Jesus and then to stop. Luke chapter 9, he tells that story. He says, he says anybody that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And so, guys, that's the first thing about it. If you're out there and you're saying, hey, I don't know if I've ever made a commitment to following Jesus. And let me just say something real quick. When I say when you're committed to following Jesus, I'm not talking about going to church. Okay, and I'm not talking about going or, or going to church or, or, or are you involved in a ministry at your church or do you serve at your church? Okay, I'm not talking about these. I'm not even talking about if you read your Bible and pray. I, he's talking about are you committed to following Jesus? You see, I say that because. I've watched people for years who have been religious who are not committed to following Jesus. And I've got to tell you, for years, I was very active in this very church. I was a leader in this very church. But I've got to tell you, I was more committed to trying to run my own life than I was to following Jesus. So guys, it's very important when you talk about that, about what that looks like following Jesus. It's not just being religious. It's not going to church. It's not being a part of a, just, just being a part of a small group. It's about are you really committed to Him being the major influence of your life? That's the second thing. And the third thing, guys, let me back up just a minute. When He's asking you to consider the cost, He wants you to know what that's going to mean. When it comes to following Jesus, I just want to tell you, if you're not following Jesus now and you're thinking about it, following Jesus means that you're going to have to go against the wishes of of those closest to you sometimes. 
And it also means that you're going to have to go against your own wishes sometimes. That's why he says, you know, not only talks about hating your mother and brother and your wife and your children, but your own life. Guys, that's what that means. He's, he's saying, you've got to give some thought to this. Am I willing to do things that I don't want to do? Am I willing to go out of my way to make sacrifices because that's what following Jesus means? Am I willing to do that? He says, you need to, you need to look at what that's all about. Secondly, guys, or the third thing that he's talking about here is if you've made that commitment, you need to make sure you keep making that commitment. How many of you, when you read that passage, being honest, don't need to show hands, you just think to yourself, when you read that passage or share that passage with somebody else, you stop at verse 33. Why do we do that? Because there's 34 and 35, what's that all about? What does it say there? It says, salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Teenagers, and I guess some of the campus college-age people, they have their own language sometimes, don't they? They create their own words. Okay, now you older folks, unless you're around younger folks, I'm going to tell you about one of their words. It's called salty. That's salty. You're salty. He's salty. Now, I'm not totally sure what they mean by that, except it's a bad thing, right? Is that correct? That's what you mean? Well, I just need to know, want to let you know, Jesus says you're using that word wrong. Okay? Just so you know, because Jesus is saying what here, he's talking about salt is good. That's what he's saying. He said, he says, he even uses salty. He says, how can it be made salty again? Guys, Jesus says if you're going to follow him, you're to be salt. You are to be different. You are to stand out from the world. And what he's saying is if you make the commitment to follow me, if you become salt in this world and you are contrast to the world around you and you are different and then you go back to being like the world... That's a bad thing. He's saying you don't want to go there. You're in danger of never following Jesus again. I don't have time to get into all that, but that's what he's talking about. And the question is, if you've made the commitment, are you being salty? You see, guys? Because Jesus wants you to be salty. I don't know if you realize that or not, but that is the truth. I t- challenged the young the teenagers in the last service. Y'all need to start using that word backwards. You know, y'all need to start saying, you, you, you want to be salty. I told Joe, I told Joe, Joe uh, McKenzie, <laughs> I'm so focused on not calling you Joey, Joe, that I can't, anyway. <laughs> I, I called Joe, I said, Joe, you're salty. Now, Joe's smart. He goes, what do you mean? Is that good? And he doesn't just take it as an instant slam like, like some of the teenagers would. Yes, Joe, that's good. Joe's a young man that I've been paying attention to and I've been encouraging. And you want to know what following Jesus like is like for a teenager? You look close at Joe's life. Joe's salty. 
Okay? And I, I challenge you seriously, guys, at least if you use that word, you start, whenever you use it somebody in your slang terminology, I encourage you to ask yourself when you use it how salty you're being. And I mean the way Jesus says. How much salt are you being? How different are you being than those around you? How much, because it's a challenge to say, am I really following Jesus? That's what it's about. So guys, if that's what Jesus is talking about, that hey, this is the commitment to following me, consider if you're willing to pay it, if you're willing to consider me to be a major influence, and make sure that you can follow through on that commitment. My question is, how are you doing? Because I said earlier, I know there's people in the room who have not made that commitment, but the majority of us in this room have at some point in time made a commitment to follow Jesus. I believe that's why you're here. You've made a commitment to follow Jesus, and I'm asking, I ask you, how are you doing? Now you may ask your question, well, how do I know how I'm doing? You just told me it ain't about following the rules and being in church, so how do I know? Well, Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 12. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 35. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how can evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. You see, guys, Jesus tells you how you can know how you're doing. And that you look at the fruit that's in your life. You look at your work, you look at your actions, and you listen to your words. And guys, that's what he says. You want to know what's in a person's heart. You listen to what they say. You watch what they do. Why am I encouraged as a father? Because my daughter's giving money to homeless people. Because I see that she has a heart to help people. That is good. Most of you know we have, a, we have another son that he made a decision a year ago to not follow Jesus. You know, we saw this coming. Why? Because his words and his actions were not the words and the actions of a person who was trying to follow Jesus. Hey guys, the thing is, you can know. I mean, we're to help each other, but ultimately, you have, a, you have to stand before God yourself and to say whether or not you're following Jesus or not. This is not, go ask somebody else how you're doing. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, I believe that is helpful. I'll talk about that briefly. But I believe it's far more powerful far more effective when you are evaluating yourself. And you say, guys, well, how do I do that? Well, number one, guys, you've got to have a desire to know how you're doing. You want to know how you're doing? You've got to want to know. Have you ever known, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in a, I'm own my own business. I've had several employees over the years. And I've had employees in the past who, who won't ask how they're doing. Who won't ask any questions. They won't say, how does this look? Does this look right? Am I doing this right? Do you know why they won't ask that question? Because they don't want to know. 
They don't want to, honestly, they're afraid of correction. They're afraid of, you know, being told they're wrong, whatever it's like. They won't ask that question. Guys, here's the deal. Do you want to know how you're doing it following Jesus? You've got you've to acknowledge that desire. The year of 2006 was a big year in my life. It was a year of a lot of growth. And it was a very difficult year. And I can remember, what's one of the things that stands out to me that whole year through all the difficulties is in the morning times and I would get up and I would be facing my day and as I was getting out of bed and as I was getting into the shower, I was thinking of everything, like the challenges I had for the day and I would, I would just say this one simple thing, Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, your Lord. I want to know how I'm doing. I want to follow you. And that's what I would say. Jesus, I want to follow you. That was my desire. Hey guys, that's the first thing you want to know. You want to evaluate how you're doing following Jesus is you've got to have a desire to know. The second is you need to ask Jesus to show you. Jesus said one of his, on his first lesson, or first sermon, if you will, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, he says, If you seek, you'll find. If you ask, it will be given. If you knock, the door will be opened. Those are promises. And guys, if you want to know how you're doing following Jesus, and if you, it's okay to say, please be gentle. <laughs> it's okay to say that. I've said that. David said that. I don't remember the exact psalm, but he said, you know, hey, don't crush me. Let me know how I'm doing, but don't crush me. Guys, you need to ask Jesus about it. The third thing, guys, and I've termed this, you need to stand in front of the mirror regularly. And I use that that phrase because in James chapter 1, it talks about that looking at the Word of God is like looking in a mirror. And I encourage you to go look at it on your own in James 1. It says, you know, you're stupid if you look at the Word of God and don't take any action. And he compares it to looking at yourself in a mirror and going away and not doing anything about it. Uh, I have a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan's getting married in about four weeks. And Jonathan is challenged by his appearance. If you know Jonathan, Jonathan cares zero about how he appears. I mean, if you know him, he doesn't care what clothes are in style. He he cares about what he likes to wear, period. He doesn't spend time standing in front of the mirror. He was getting up last Saturday, I think it was, to go have engagement pictures taken. And he's getting out of bed, and he's flying out the door. And I had to strongly encourage him that it was okay to be late because he showered and shaved. Okay? I mean, this is my son. I'm sorry. I'm responsible. Maybe I could have done a better job earlier. I'm, he's most like me, in case you want to know. He doesn't care how he appears. I mean, he is fine with it. It was, it was so funny. When uh, him and Emily started dating, they were just, uh, they, they went out on a date. And uh, uh, my middle son, Jordan, said something to Emily about, hey, so I guess you're going to be my sister-in-law. And he, she's like, no, or he's, he asked how your date went. She goes, well, it wasn't really a date. We were just hanging out. We were just hanging out. And he goes, oh, really? Yeah. 
And after she said this a couple of times, he says, what did John wear? <laughs> well, he wore khakis and a button down. And Jordan goes, it was a date. <laughs> it was a date. And Jonathan dressed up. He was pretty serious. Now, once they got dating steady, I mean, that kind of went by the wayside. There's a debate. There's a debate right now on how long he's going to wear his, uh, he's wearing a suit and tie uh, to be married in. He's not wearing a tuxedo. Uh, he's breaking the rules, uh, which is fine. But the debate is, when's he going to take that suit off? You know, because he wants to take it off before the reception. Guys, he doesn't, he doesn't care about how he looks physically. He just wants to be, how, what he finds comfortable is all he cares about. Can I say that I believe a lot of us are that way spiritually? That we're more interested in being comfortable than we are in how we're really doing at following Jesus. Guys, you've got to decide if you want to follow Jesus. You've got to stand in front of the mirror. And you've got to go back and you've got to stand in front of the mirror again. And you've got to go back and stand in front of the mirror again. And you have to understand that Jesus will tell you how you're doing following him when you compare yourself to what he has to say. In John chapter 8, that's what he said. said, You're really my disciples if you hold on to my teachings. We put, we put all kinds of things into our mind. We watch TV. We listen to the radio. We follow our favorite sports teams. We have hobbies out the wazoo that all have our attention that we can talk about all day long and that probably do very little to help you follow Jesus. Guys, you've got to look at what the Word of God says. I told this story before. But several years ago in my business, we, uh, we have an auto glass business and we have car washes. And uh, in our auto glass business, we worked on a car. And my office person went to pull the car out of the shop. And when they went to pull the car out of the shop, uh, a series of things happened. But basically, as they turned the key, the tumblers inside the ignition fell apart. Okay? And so the car won't start. The ignition, the key won't go. It won't turn. It won't do anything. All right? Car with... You know, 150 or 200,000 miles on it. And uh, you know what the people think, don't you? That's my fault. That's my fault. And so I try to explain to them politely, look, this is, you know, this is the age of the vehicle. This has nothing to do with us. Just bad luck on my part that it fell apart. Well, they didn't hear none of that. And I understand their position. They were young people. It was a boyfriend, girlfriend with a child. They, they, they had to get the money. Somebody else paid for the window to be put in. I don't remember what window it was. Uh, they didn't have the money for the repair, and they're uptight. And one of them has a dad who works in auto repair in another city. And he's calling me, talking to me about it. And I'm just like, this should not be my responsibility. And so I call a friend of mine who used to own a Ford dealership, because he's used to dealing with these things. And I say, and this man does not pretend to follow Jesus. Okay, he does not make that claim. But as I'm talking to him, he's telling me, he says, Gary, he says, you're not going to benefit in any way from fixing that car. He says, if you, if you don't fix it, they're going to talk bad about you. If you do fix it, they're going to tell people how bad you, that you didn't want to fix it, and you weren't going to fix it until they threw a fit. And they're going to tell about how big of a fit they had to throw. 
And they're going to brag about it. You will not benefit one bit. You will get nothing out of fixing that car. Now, after you get advice like that, what would you do? I fixed the car. Now, you want to know why I fixed the car? Because when the minute he said, you'll get nothing out of it, I thought, that's the way God loves us. He does things when he'll get nothing out of it. And it was like the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, you need some practice being like God. It's true. It's true. I am selfish to the core, guys. I want what's best for me. That is my nature, and I have to fight it. How did I know that? Was it just, you know, the Holy Spirit just tingled in my ear? No, guys. I'd gotten to know God, and I knew what God was like from looking at the mirror. And all of a sudden, I was looking in the mirror, and I was looking at me, and guess what I saw? A big difference. A big difference. And basically what I'm saying is, Gary, you need to follow me a little more closely. I gave up my whole life, not $300. Guys, you gotta, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you want to find out how you're doing, you've got to be looking at what he has to say and looking closely. Guys, the last thing I wanted to talk about is that you need to ask somebody you trust. You want to know how you're doing following Jesus, you need to ask somebody you trust. And what I mean by that, guys, is you need to ask somebody who's also, who you believe is following Jesus yourself. I'm not talking about just following advice. I'm talking about somebody who is going to point you at following Jesus. My friend that I just told you about was not trying to follow Jesus. He just contrasted an ungodly thought, and I saw the difference. What we need in our lives is people who will help us point us. You know, guys, here's an opportunity to be like God right here. Here's an opportunity to be like Jesus. And guys, let me ask you, who do you have in your life like that? Who do you have in your life that has got you by the shoulders, not literally, unless necessary, and is pointing you, saying, look, this is Jesus over here. This is what Jesus says. This is, what following Je- this is, follow- this is the direction of following Jesus. And you know, you trust them, and you go, I think you're right. And who do you have like that? Now, I'm not asking if you have a best friend. Okay, I'm not asking if you're close to somebody. I'm asking, who do you have that you trust? They're following Jesus, and you let them help you follow Jesus. You see, guys, because those are the kind of relationships you need to have if you're going to be following Jesus. Guys, as I close out today, I just ask you, where are you at? And my only at and request is that you take some time and you evaluate. Not just today, maybe through the whole week. This is serious stuff. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the quitters. And guys, be open to what God's showing you. I mean, I guarantee you, if you have your eyes open, He's going to point to something on you at work. And you're going to, He's going to say... <clears throat> You need to be different here. He's going to point, I guarantee you, he'll point to something in your marriage. He'll point to that and he'll, he'll point to make you just say, hey, you're not being like me here. So guys, I just challenge you. 
And I ask you to do some real evaluation to say, how are you doing at paying the costs of letting Jesus be the major influence in your life? Let's pray. Father, I'm amazed of your love and your patience and your ability to... uh, Your ability to transform a person who refuses to follow you for so long. Father, I say that as I look at myself. Father, when I look at the years and the decades of really not understanding what it means to follow you. Of thinking I was doing the right thing while the whole time never giving up control. Father, never yielding to your influence and your desires. Not trying to please you, but trying to please myself. Father, us here at Greater Alton, we want, we want to be a group of people who are following Jesus. And Father, I pray right now that you just, you just touch hearts. Father, everybody's in a different place. I'm sure there are people in this room who can say very confidently and point to a long list of the fruit. And they don't need to tell anybody else because they know. They're following Jesus. And whenever they see they're not following Him right, they've, they, they get in line. Father, there's others who, 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 who may not be doing that light way. Father, there's others that are they're in just different places of maturity. Father, I ask you to touch hearts. Show us where we are so we can follow Jesus closely. It's in His name we pray. Amen.